0: Anyway, what I, um, I did tonight, after you trust Christ as your Savior, there's always that, well, that time in your life where you learn how to walk with the Lord. You don't understand it at first. You're you kind of like a little child. You stand up and fall down and stand up and fall and take a few steps and fall. And It would be so neat if we could just all just walk as a saint of 50 years, but we have to live and learn. A little bit here and a little bit there. And uh, a little trial here and a little testing here. Just enough to keep us looking to the Lord. And so over the years, I've managed to get together a a few key verses that really means a lot to me. They've helped me in my walk with the Lord. And I guess I always figured that whatever helped me can help somebody else. So I just gave you a list of a lot of the verses that I, uh, I think about it a lot, and as I preach sermons, you'll hear these verses all the time. You quoting them or turning to them and reading them, and so I um, I wanted to mention them to you. So um, you can always take these verses and go to your Bible and mark things in the Bible. But if we took too much time to do that now, I don't think I would ever finish. So there are certain words in these verses because these are verses to help you to walk with the Lord. Now remember, nobody can walk. With the Lord for you. Nobody can get saved for you. That's a personal thing. Nobody can make you love the Lord, though I believe everybody should. God says in the first two commandments, or the first commandment, love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy heart and mind, body, soul, and strength. Have no idols and so forth, and love your neighbor. And the whole law is fulfilled in one word love. But people don't love we're not saved because we love God. But after we see how much He loved us, we loved Him because He first loved us. And so as you begin to read and study the Bible, it kind of makes your heart warm toward the Lord. And uh, that's what happens when you read the book of Proverbs. It kind of makes you warm toward the Lord. And if you have trouble praying, uh, just read one or two Psalms and next thing you know, you'll find something to pray about be thankful for. You want some wisdom? Yeah, you can go to the book of uh, Proverbs. One little action, go to the book of Acts. See, God's got certain verses in the Bible books. That kind of helps you, but these, were, these are scattered everywhere. So whatever book you're reading, you can always find words of encouragement. But look at the first verse there we have. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Now, I often uh, quote this verse simply because uh, the Bible says, It is not within man that walketh to direct his steps. In other words, we all like sheep have gone astray. And we have a natural inclination to go our own way. We do our own thing. Because we don't know how to trust God. Well, you, you can't see God. And uh, sometimes we don't see anybody walking close enough to the Lord that we want to take their advice. You know, it's hard to take somebody's advice when you don't agree with what they're saying or doing, you know, how they're living. But when you want to really learn something, like, if, uh, for example, if I wanted to really learn how to putt like Jack Nicholas, if I could get my wish, what should I do? try to get Jack Nicholas to show me how to putt like he putts. Now, if I wanted to play golf like Bob Brooks, then I'd want to learn from Bob Brooks and have Bob Brooks teach me how to, how to play golf. But that's the same way it is in anything in life. When the Bible teaches us certain things from certain books, there's verses in them that will kind of hone in a little bit and make you think differently. But notice what that verse says. I know that the way of man is not in himself. God says, I I already know that. And he tells us in his word, it's not in man that walk to direct his steps. In other words, you really don't know how to lead your life. You don't know how to guide your life. Without the word of God, you really don't know. You just do whatever you think is best. You can do what you think is right. And lo and behold, sometimes you'll, you might make some good decisions. There's a lot of lost people, they're making good decisions. They make just as many good decisions as a lot of lost people. The thing is, they do it for them, and we do it for the Lord. God's not going to reward them. God's going to reward us. And so when we get to heaven, God's going to reward us for the good that we've done. But they're not going to get anything. This life is all that they're ever going to get. If a lost man takes some seeds and go out in the field and plant it, and a saved man goes out into the field and plants some seeds, which one comes up? If a lost man and a saved man both go out to the field and they sow seeds, which one's going to have some fruit come up? Both of them. Because God has already blessed the efforts of work and the principle of work. And He blesses the seed because He made the seed. See, so it doesn't matter who does it. If it was raining outside and a lost man goes outside and the Christian goes outside, who's going to get wet? Both will get wet. So you may make a decision, I'm not going out there in that rain. And somebody else may decide to go out in the rain. Now some Christians do foolish things. And in the process of life, We have to suffer sometimes the consequences of our decision, which many times we don't like. But look at the next verse. This is what Jesus said. I can of my own self do nothing. Jesus said that. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Why? Because. Now, I seek not my own will. What does most people do in their life? Seek their own will. They want to do their own thing, go their own way. Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Bless me. The Lord said, no, 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 I want you to do this, and I'll bless you. We think God is just a good power that's up there somewhere in the sky, and we're supposed to use him whenever we want to. Just be on standby, God, and be my escrow in the account. So if I need you, you be ready, okay? But I think I can handle this all by myself. Well, a lot of people live their lives like that, and you can if you want. Look at the next statement. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. wholly acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. Doing this and presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Would that be the will of God? Could that be the will of God? If this is what God's word says. I want you to present your body as a living sacrifice. Now he didn't ask us to die for him. He asked us to live for him. Because I assure you, if you're not willing to live for the Lord, you're not ready to die for Him. Because if you can't live for Him, you're not going to die for Him. Look at the next statement Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You see the word good, the G, the word acceptable, the A. In the word perfect, the P, now in the book of uh, Ezekiel, it says, he looked for a man to stand in the gap. But a lot of people don't want to stand in the gap. See, there's God and there's man. And there's one meteor, which is Christ, and he's gone to heaven. So he's told us to represent him on the earth. So we are ambassadors for Christ. But sometimes people don't want to be the ones that fill that gap between God and the lost people. And God is like he's looking for a man to fill that gap. To stand in the gap. When my father-in-law first showed me that verse. It motivated me. It challenged me. And I thought. And he made the statement to me, He says the world has never seen what God can do through one dedicated man. The world's never seen what God can do through one totally dedicated man. I thought I want to be that man. I didn't know what it entailed. I had no clue. But whatever it was, I, I want to be that man. I want God to use me to show the world what God can do through a man if he'll let him. Well, I think I've had a little success in that. Not maybe everything, but it was a lot better than it was whenever I started. I can assure you that. Now, get this. The word in blue there is will of God. The will of God. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are you going to find it? Well, what does the verse say to do? It says, be not conformed to this world. It's just like when you're talking about salvation. You have to know what it is in order to know what it is not. The will of God has not been conformed to the world. The will of God has been transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you know what it is. So you know what it is? You know what it is not. If you live like the world, you're not going to be transformed. Because, see, it's a choice that we make. Look at the next statement. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Whatever that's referring to, whether in the garden or reference to the cross, that's really not as important as the point I want to make here tonight. Is that he says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. In other words, I, I want your will for me. Whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do. So if we really believe that, then that's why many times we can accept whatever God allows to come into our life. But if we make poor decisions and bad decisions because we don't believe what God's Word says, there's consequences. And we don't like the consequences. Because, you know, consequences are the result sometimes of making good decisions and bad decisions. And as we go through life, we make both kinds. And sometimes we like the decisions we've made, and sometimes we wish we'd have never made some of them. So he says there in the next verse, Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. That's Psalms chapter 14, verse 7. He says, I delight to do thy will. Now there's a reason why he delighted to do thy will. Because the next part says, thy law is within my heart. I always work on the principle, if I can just get people to listen to what God says, if I can get a lost man to listen what the gospel really is, I expect people to trust Christ as Savior. We had, like, for example, a couple new people this morning, and a couple indicated they would trust Christ as Savior. So whoever they are, I don't know. Does God promise to save whosoever believeth? Well, then I believe God's Word will work. Make it simple and clear where people can understand it. If you want people to serve the Lord, well, I, I believe if you teach them what the Word of God says, if God's Word don't work, I don't want somebody serving God because of me. I want them serving God because of the word. Because when I die, then what happens? I don't want people doing whatever they do, Well, I just want to please the preacher. Why, he's no better than you are. He's just a man, he's a sinner. Trust Christ as savior and he's just trying to teach you what the word of God says. So um, you need to do what you do because of your love for the Lord. You see, that should not change. People come and go. There's people we know right now that i have already left our number. There's relatives that I had or have passed away. And it seems like every week I'm finding out somebody else that I went to Bible college with has passed away. Because now we're all getting up into, you know, the 70s and 80s. And uh, one of these days it could be Bob Brooks or it could be me. I mean, that's the only two I see in here right now that's from FBC. You have Tom back there? And uh, but he can't see what I'm saying. But anyway, that days could come. But why? Because thy law is written in my heart. There's a verse in the Bible, 119 Psalm, that says, "Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy thy word. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee." There's a lot of verses hither and thither, and all these verses should mean a lot to us and help us to govern our lives. Look at the next statement. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now this is talking about Paul in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. And um, we don't know how long this all took on that road and all the things that he said, but after he got knocked down by Christ himself, he saw the light. I guess you could say he sung that song, or maybe he wrote the song, I Saw the Light. <laughs> I think somebody else wrote that song. But he did see the light. And uh, the Lord uh, told "says why are you kicking against the pricks? Why, why don't you listen to what I'm having to say? Don't you think? And he was supposed, supposed to be so smart. But he found out he was so dumb. And yes, he even talked about how intelligent he was and just You know, a certain tribe and a Pharisee and keeping the law blameless. Philippians chapter 3 and uh, down to verse 7 and 8. But he makes a statement, what would thou have me to do? See, after you trust Christ as your Savior, see, we're saved because of what we believe. We serve, that's what we do for the Lord. And so he asks this question, what will thou have me to do? That was my heart's desire And one of the reasons why when I went down to the little bookstore there in Athens, Georgia, the Athens Bookstore, and uh, Joel Cummins was the uh, guy that ran the bookstore. And uh, just a little old dinky thing on the side of the road there in Athens. And I'd get my little sack lunch and I'd run down there because I was working at that time at uh, McGregor Printing Company. And I'd run in there and I'd get a missionary book off the shelf and I'd sit in the corner and I'd read and eat my sandwich. I only had a half an hour. Not a lot of time, but I couldn't afford to buy the books, so he would let me sit in the corner and read the books off the shelf. And I'd sit there, and the next thing you know, I'd be crying. I'd read about missionaries and where they went, what they did, talking about their love for the Lord and all that stuff. And I was thinking, man, I wish I could do something. I want to do something. And, but I just knew that God couldn't use me. I've already done check me off. I, God can't use me. God, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to serve the Lord. I didn't know what it involved I didn't know what steps I had to take. I'd never heard of a Bible college. But I'd sit there and I'd cry. And I mean with tears. And people would come in and they'd look over at me and they'd, you know, go do what they were doing. And then after a while, people would come and say, yeah, Yankee, you'd better get back to work. You're out of time. And I still had to get down to the And then I'd run back to work. And I did that day after day after day. I didn't know that my doing that was preparing me for something down the road. And I would often wonder, man, I wish I had. And I'd I'd close my eyes and I would dream that I had thousands of people and I'm preaching to all these people. And all these people are getting saved. Now, I did not have the clarity of the gospel. I didn't know anything about the heaven track. Nothing about uh, Florida Bible College, Ray Stanford, Hank Lindstrom. I did nothing about the wall illustration. Nothing about ranch, nothing about camps. Never been to a camp in my life. And here I am listening to these things dwelling in my mind and bouncing off the the walls. And I think, man, I want to do something. And my heart's desire is, Lord, I want to do something. But I had no clue what it was. I came to Florida Bible College eventually, and then I had a couple weeks off, and I went up there to Athens, Georgia. And there's my father-in-law. He's living up there in Parkview Apartments. And I would uh, start complaining to him. (laughs) I says, how come preachers are not clear on the gospel? They're not clear. And I'd whine a little bit, and he'd look at me, and he says, why don't you shut up? He said that to me quite a few times. Not in the nicest way either, because he got tired of me whining. He said, if you don't like the way they're doing it, do it yourself. Okay. And I determined I'm going to do everything I possibly can. And I kept thinking about all those people and all those churches that were not clearing the gospel. How in the world am I going to get to all those people and all those churches and to talk to all those young teenagers because I'd been down to camp and I'd seen what happens with kids at camp. Little did I know that when I graduated I'd go to Colorado sort of a, a youth ministry and, and then here's this one little kid 11 years old who came out wasn't supposed to. But he trusted Christ as Savior wound up dedicating his life to the Lord. And So Greg Steer he started the youth ministry. And here I was going to the Dare to Share meetings in Atlanta, Georgia, Civic Auditorium in Atlanta. And it's about 6,000, seven, eight 7,000, 8,000 people. And all these youth directors from all those churches that I used to whine about, how are I going to reach them? Because I reached one guy, here's all these youth directors bringing all these kids to this center. And Greg Steer is up there and he's presenting the gospel. Doing the wallet illustration just like I did it. You can go through the same thing. And I thought to myself, self, God did use you. I didn't have to go, but somebody I reached is doing that. And now he's not only doing it in Georgia, he did it in this state, that state, that state. Now he's doing it in a number of states all across. So you can have a dream, but it doesn't mean the end of a dream because I've had so many uh, depths of a vision. I have vision where you wanted something done, and then it all seems like it all falls apart. That it's not going to happen in your lifetime. And so, lo and behold, you just know that somewhere along the line, God may still give me the desires of my heart because I want to reach more people than I ever have. And now with the YouTube ministry, the Internet thing, that what we're doing, I'm reaching more people now at this stage of my life than I ever have. And all of the other years all put together. Now I'm reaching people throughout the world. And it just, sometimes I just sit and I just cry. Remembering back 58 years ago when it was just a dream, just a little vision. And I didn't see how God would open up doors. But be patient with God because the will of God is that God doesn't tell us everything that's going to happen in, all the steps in your life and all the, you know, the disappointments. Remember a sermon I preached on dead ends and dry holes and detours. Because in our life there's gonna be a lot of detours. There's gonna be some dead ends, and there's gonna be some dry holes. You try something and you pour everything you have into it, and then it not work. And it can be so deflating, so discouraging. And then you got to come back and encourage yourself in the Lord. But look at the next statement. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, that little part in yellow, through the will of God. I am a pastor today only by the will of God, only because of His will. I did not decide on my own, I'm going to be a pastor. That was the last thing I wanted to do when I graduated from Florida Bible College. I just wanted to reach teenagers and play the guitar and do the wall of illustration and just lead people to Christ. But after I started leading so many people to Christ, they didn't have a church to go to because the church wanted of all these little kids. They didn't want these kids. I wanted to start a bus route at this one church. And they said, we don't want those kids. Those kids would come in here and they'll mark up the psalm books. They'll mess up the, the uh the bathrooms, and uh, we just and, and a bunch of older saints. We just don't want those kids around here, and that broke my heart. That's where my heart was, and that's the last thing they wanted. And so I, I left that church, and so a couple of years later I started a church because I didn't have no place to send the kids, and it was just what made it happen. Next thing you know, you you got a church, and I still. Preferred the teenagers over the adults. Bob Brooks and Mary, they were out there in that ministry and they saw what we did. And I had a lot of people saying, Yankee, you, you need to reach the adults. They got the money because teenagers don't have any money. But it didn't matter. I was reaching adults. I was reaching the adults before they got to be one. Because when they're kids, it's a lot easier to reach kids than it is adults. You can rest assured. And so now they have families. And I was today I was watching on YouTube a message by Rick Long. And uh, he graduated from our Bible college. And now he's running, I don't know, 3,000 or 4,000 out there in Colorado. And uh, he doesn't do everything the way I would do it. But he's not my servant. He belongs to the Lord. But he's still simple and clear on the gospel. There's a lot of things I don't agree with. I've had people say, I don't agree with Yankee on everything. Uh, Not everybody agrees with me on everything. That's okay. Anyway, look at the last verse. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to, get this, desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So what does God want for you and I? He wants us to be filled with the knowledge of His will. Knowing the Word of God. So you cannot know the will of God unless you know the Word of God. Why do you think I want people to go to college? Why do you think I want people to come to Sunday school and church and all that? To learn the will of God for their life. Because without the Word, you can't know. It is not within man that walketh to direct his steps. And the Holy Spirit leads you according to the Word of God. It's not like, okay, I'm saved. I don't need that. I got the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide me. Have fun. Have fun. But he leads you and teaches you the word of God. And without that, forget it. Turn your page. Top of the next page says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. In other words, able to please the Lord in every area of your life. Being fruitful in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Learn to please the Lord in every area of your life. Look at the next statement. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. This is Psalms. The Psalms. The first Psalm. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly. So you can either live like a godly person or like an ungodly person. Godly and ungodly mean to be like God. Ungodly means you're not like God. God. So, as a child of God, God wants us to be like God, imitators of our Heavenly Father. That's in the book of uh, Ephesians in chapter 5, verse 1. So, we can do that. Now, look at the next verse. In Hebrews, Dr. Mark Cameron, whenever he would pray, he'd always pray close with these two verses. And it says, Now the God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I remember him always quoting these verses, but he did it in a prayer. But now notice what he says here in that verse that says, make you perfect in every good work. Why? Why? to do His will. You see, the problem we have in our life is that we we just want to do whatever we want to do, and I I don't need God to do that. I don't need to go to church to do that if I want to just do whatever I want to do, be whatever I want to be. I don't need God for that. So there's a lot of God's children that are totally wasting their life, living like lost people, as though this is the only life there is. No, there's another one after this one. And God's going to bless us there for what we did for him here. So you don't waste your life. But if you live for yourself, you're wasting time. And after a while, nobody cares about your so-called pride and all the things you've accomplished in this world and what you got to be. When you stand before the Lord, God's not going to be impressed with how much money you made or how nice of a home you lived in or how nice of this. It doesn't, none of that's going to matter. I've got a beautiful home up there in Georgia, and I'm living in a mobile home down here for nine years. It doesn't matter. It's can you do what God wants you to do? Accept it. Since we've been down here, have I had any medical issues? Seemed like every other month. The worst time I ever had was when I was down here, and I got the shingles, and I didn't know what they were. I thought shingles was something you put on a house. (laughs) And I was out there playing golf one day with... um, Jan and I was eating alive. I said, This is just itching me to death, and it hurts, it hurts. But I didn't know it was shingles, I didn't know what it was. I thought I got some kind of creeping crud. It's the only thing I knew to call it just creeping crud. I got that from my daughter, she called it something like that. And next thing you know, it crawled up my shoulder, it crawled up the back of my neck. And one Sunday, I had to take five pain pills just to get through that one Sunday morning service. I was a Lulu. <laughs> I was, I was like a drunk, but nobody knew it. I don't know if I swayed or what I did or slurred or whatever, but you know, after five of them, you can feel pretty good. Some of that stuff can make you like you're a drunk, you know. And I've never had a strong drink in my life. That's why I can take two aspirins and I'm ready to feel like I done hit the bottle. <laughs> I eh, mean, some of y'all won't take me seriously, but I'm telling, I'm telling how I was feeling. But I've had a lot of things happen to me. So just because I'm the preacher, I'm not supposed to have anything go wrong, go wrong, go wrong, go wrong. But it doesn't. I got to go through them just like you do. And I got to go through them with a loved one. And Betty's gone through quite a few things. But we just go through it and trust the Lord to walk us through it. Because, see, if that's the will of God for us to suffer, then so be it. I know the cure for suffering. Dying. So I guess I'd rather suffer a little while. You know, this thing about growing old ain't all it made out to be. But you ought to think about the alternative. So anyway, we just keep moving right along. Now, look at the next statement here. And say to our chippers, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. I'm supposed to believe that the ministry I have, God gave to me. God has allowed me to learn certain things to help me, and I should fulfill it. See the last part there? That thou fulfill it. Do what God wants you to do. Even the Apostle Paul says that um, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy. Finish my course with joy. In other words, God has a job for all of us to do. Whatever it is, finish it with joy. Don't grow up and be a mean old woman or a mean old man. Just You're no different and no better than anybody else. You say, well, I don't like suffering. Who does? But we all have to suffer. And if you haven't suffered enough yet, don't worry. There's worse ones coming down the road. We could all wind up in hospices tomorrow. Or we could have a stroke, eating up with cancer. Some people have, since I've been here, have developed cancer and have had to have radiation treatment. Some people got diabetes, and I've had some people die. I've done some funerals since I've been here. I may be doing yours before the end of the week. Or you may be having mine done by the end of the week. So we don't live in fear because we live by faith in God, and knowing that He will take care of everything. He'll, whatever it is, He'll walk us through it. And to believe that. Look down at the bottom of the page. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. In other words, whatever job you have, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, serve the Lord with joyfulness of heart, singleness of mind as unto the Lord. If you have to fix a tire on your car, do it as this car belongs to the Lord, and I'm going to fix it for Him. These dishes, they belong to the Lord, and I want to wash them as clean as I can because they belong to the Lord. This house that I've got, I'm so thankful this house belongs to the Lord because I dedicated everything that I have to the Lord. This belongs to the Lord, and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And do the things that you're supposed to do because you're only passing through this life one time. One of these days, it's going to all be over. Live now the way you'll wish you had lived when you get to heaven, to be with the Lord. Look at the next statement. Not with eye service, as men pleasers. Don't do what you do just to be seen of people. Because, you see, their praise is short-lived. You may do something that's right, and people don't like it, and are not pleased. Now, what are you going to do? Well, I didn't do it for you anyway. I did it for the Lord. So you live your life because I want whatever I do to be acceptable unto God. You know what was interesting? I read an article in the paper about the gay pride that they had. And they're saying, We are getting more acceptable now. I thought, with who? And the ones that are accepting it, their opinion don't matter. But the Bible talks about doing those things that are acceptable unto God. Does God accept it? No, He does not. Well, well, they love each other. They lust after each other. Love means you want the best for the other person. And why would you do something to the other person that would bring down God's judgment upon them? That's not love. That's lust. That's not because you care about them. No, it's not. They're deceived. And sex outside of marriage is wrong. You cannot make it right. But I'm not speaking on that tonight. Look at the next statement. Not with thy service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. And you ought to underline this part here. When you get your Bible and you underline these things. Doing the will of God from the heart. You see, it's not just doing what God wants you to do. It's doing it because you love the Lord. You're doing it from the heart, from your soul. Because you really do care. You do have compassion You do want to make a difference. And see, I don't want people speaking at camp and being counselors. If they don't know the Lord or don't love the Lord, they won't have the impact they're supposed to have with the kids. you got to love those kids. you got to love them. Because they'll break your heart. Because they're not going to be that little angel. They do things wrong. They'll promise you this and promise you that, and then you just break your heart. And you got to look beyond that. I thought I'm going to preach up a storm tonight. I think they're they're bowling and somebody just had a strike. You know what I was told that was? The devil's up there beating his wife. Anybody ever heard that before? Devil's beating his wife. This one man (laughs) said, do you believe in the devil? I sure do. Why do you believe in the devil? He said, well, I married his sister. Well, anyway, look at the next verse. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You do what you do from the heart with good service. You're doing what God wants you to do. See, after you trust Christ as your Savior, God has something He wants us to do. But He always puts it, and He scatters uh, little verses all over the place so that you'll read and find, oh, I didn't know that was in there, and you find something. It's like opening a refrigerator and, oh, man, nothing but leftovers. Wouldn't you like to have something fresh and then miraculously appears in your refrigerator? Well, it doesn't usually happen. The only thing in the refrigerator is leftovers. But you find a new verse once in a while. You open up the Bible and you begin to read and study it. And you say, man, I never saw that before. Boy, that is good. Yum, yum, yum. And then you'll read over here in another book. And that will just, you, you might pass up 15, 20 verses. And you'll find one little phrase in a verse. And God will speak to you through that little phrase in that verse. And that's what I would do. And then I'd mark it. I didn't mark the whole verse. i just marked just a couple words in that verse. A couple words. And I'd go through the Bible. And I'd just mark, 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 mark. And then sometimes I'd go through and only read only the things that I marked. I preached a number of sermons on just things that I've underlined in my Bible. No continuity. They're just good thoughts that I've had. Then sometimes i go back to it. And I'll make a whole sermon off of that few little words that I found in the Word of God. But look at that last statement. Where he says, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth. Now this is what you're supposed to remember. The same shall he receive of the Lord. So if this verse is true, can you outdo God? Can you outgive God? You can't. And he also says that he will not withhold any good thing to them who walk uprightly. And God's ears are open to the righteous you start walking with the Lord and doing things because, well, this is what the Word of God says. And I want to do what God says do regardless. And you'd be surprised how that God will start leading and guide you. See, he's the shepherd. He guides the sheep. And the thing is, see, we can't see the shepherd. But we can hear his voice. See, the Word of God is the voice of God. And we listen. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now, in Matthew and so forth, it says, "Let he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But when you get to the church, it says, hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. So we're supposed to hear his voice, and that's why in John, it says in chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. And you go by the word of God, because I can't see, I can't see Christ, I can't see God, but I can hear his voice. And whenever I start doing things I know I'm not supposed to do, his voice will start speaking up and says, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Set only good and holy things before your eyes. And you'd be surprised whenever you get loaded down, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. And when you don't understand why this happened or that happened, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. You see, you can listen to his word. And let His Word bring you peace and comfort and joy, and you'd be surprised the difference that it'll make in your whole life. Look up here just a moment. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God, He loves us. He hates our sin, but He loves us. But because the wages of sin is death, all of us are guilty and all of us are condemned condemned to spend an eternity separated from God in a literal fire burning hell. And we want to be saved from hell. And there's only one way. See, to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. And there's no way for you and I to work our sins off. You know, if I keep working off my sins, you can't work them off. You only have to commit one sin. How many sins did they commit in the garden and they got kicked out? One. One. So, you've got to be pretty good. Oh, you've got to be perfect. And none of us are perfect. So this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Now He hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. But our sin separates us from God. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all the sins of the whole world, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And God said if we would believe, he did it for us. He would put this payment to whosoever believes. Now, if you don't believe it, you don't get eternal life. You don't get the righteousness of God. You don't get to go to heaven. But whosoever will believe it. And that's a choice that individuals have to make for themselves. Nobody can make it for you. So when you believe it, He gives you eternal life as a gift, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're watching by Internet, and you understand what I've said, right on the screen says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. We'd love to know if you understood. And if you trust Christ right now, then he saves you right now and gives you eternal life right now. And you can know that you're going to heaven because he paid for all of your sins. You won't have any sins to pay for. He loved you that much. He did it for you. If you're here in the auditorium and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now, in the quietness of this moment, just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died for me, that he paid for my sins. And right now, I will trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. If you've never done it, would you do it right now? And if you will, I'd like to have prayer for you. And I'd like to know if what I said made sense to you. So would you just slip in it very quickly, and put it right back down? I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to shame you or embarrass you, anyone at all, before we close. Our Father, we do thank you so much for watching over us and meeting all of our needs. We thank you for the privilege you've given to us to know you as our Savior but also for that burning desire to want to serve you. We ask your blessings upon each person here. And everyone here is going through something, all struggling. And that's why you want us to seek your will by seeking your word. So bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.